This week's parasha is a double one, Tazria and Mitzayra. And when you're giving a drasha about Tazria and Mitzayra, it's generally going to be about Lashon Hara. That's a no-brainer. Because the parasha of Mitzayra primarily has to do with a person who speaks Lashon Hara. It's true that there's a Gemara in Erchen that gives a list of other things that might uh, cause Saras to spread in a person's life, but the primary thing that at least uh, Klal Yisrael has uh, adopted as the, as the main reason for the malady of Saras is Lashon Hara. And it's always good to discuss it because it's something that if we don't discuss it, if we don't talk about it, then we sweep it under the rug and then we just completely uh, violate this terrible Avera of Lashon Hara. It's a strange thing. Lashon Hara is like the worst thing that a person could do. It's much worse than eating chazer. It's much worse than, uh, than, than shaving with a razor. It's much worse than a lot of other things that are so taboo that a person would, even, would not even, on a good day, contemplate. But yeah, Lashon Hara is something that people do socially. It's like you could stand around in a chasna or at a bar mitzvah or in a, a base medrash and you're just schmoozing about other people as if it's a normal activity, but it's worse than eating chazer. Would a person ever uh, bring a McDonald's into a base medrash or into a chasna and start munching on it? Obviously not, because it's a terrible avera. This is a much worse avera. And it's destructive to yourself and to other people and to lives of you know, the, the way that Lashon Hara really causes ripple effects that we will never, ever know in terms of destroying people's lives, careers, shidduchim, marriages. It's a horrible iser, but yet sometimes we get used to doing it. It's nasus like a heter. So once in a while, at least on Parshas Tazriya Mitzayra, we generally take this opportunity to discuss this iser of Lashon Hara which is uh, so important to, to somewhat tackle and tame. Uh, by my Shabbos table, uh, generally speaking, the last few years, we've been uh, learning uh, from different svarim on Lashon Hara. There are so many you know, well-written svarim that are, are interesting. Some of them are, are uh, you know, less than a day. Uh, we just bought a new one that has like, questions and answers on the laws of Lashon Hara, it's just interesting things to at least talk about it. If you talk about it, maybe it'll uh, at least enter our minds quicker when we're about to speak Lashnara to, to put the brakes on and to stop because it's a really, really bad thing to do. It's really bad. I want to learn together a Pasuk in Parshas Tazria. And there's a remarkable Vart of the Meshachachma on this Pasuk. And we're going to expand upon the Vart. That's what we're going to do this morning. The Pasuk says that when a person has saras, some sort of uh, skin uh, ailment, it's not a doctor that you go to, although you might think go to the local, uh, you know, go to the doctor, see what he says about it. It's not, this is not a physical malady. This is not a regular thing that emergency rooms could treat or, or hospitals or doctors or PA. That's not, what, that's not what this is about. Saras is a spiritual machala that spreads on a person's body, a person's house, 
certain circumstances in a certain uh, in a person's clothing because of an avera that the person is doing. So he has to go to a kayin. The kayin is the doctor. The kayin is the one that diagnoses the problem. And he comes and he shows the, the kayin what he has on his, uh, what he's dealing with. And the Pasuk says as follows, This is Parag Yud Gimel, Pasuk Gimel. The kayin examines the nega on the skin. There is a white hair growing out of it which turned white. It's a hair that turns white. And the appearance of the boil, of the blister, is deeper than his regular skin color. That's a negatsaras. The kayin looks at him and is metamehim. Notice the Pasuk starts, the kayin sees. And at the end of the Pasuk it says, which means that extra vav on the word vara'ah is a more personal seeing. It means that I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. Not just, I'm not just looking, I'm looking at you. So the Meshachachma is bothered by this double lush. And why does the Pasuk start with vara'ah? The Kayin examines, as if like just a broad examination. And then and then he goes and he examines the patient. He looks at the guy. What does that mean? See, he brings a Gemara. The Gemara is in Mayed Katan, Dav Zayin, Amabez. The Gemara there is talking about Chalamayed and Yantif. And it says a remarkable thing. That if, let's say, the Kayin comes and examines this patient with the Tsaras, during Yantif, he comes to him, I don't know, the first night of Pesach, he comes, knocks on the door of the Kayin, he says, Rabbi, I gotta have to show you something. So the Rabbi understands that, the Kayin slash Rabbi understands that this situation is one that's a little bit sensitive. Because let's say he sees him and he says, okay, you're, you're tummy. What does that mean? It means he has to leave his home and he has to go michutz lamachaneh, he has to go into quarantine outside of the camp. He has to stay there and see how, the, how this tsaras develops and what to do about it then. But what happens to this person's life if now on the Leil HaSeder or on Chalamayed or whenever it is that he comes on Yantif, he comes and if I say to this guy now that he's Tameh, that's going to disrupt his whole Yantif. His wife has cooked a beautiful meal and he's prepared varts for the Haggadah and he's going to, you know, his kids are excited to go with him to Great Adventure on Chalamayed and, uh, you know, they have, there's guests at home. The grandmother came from, uh, you know, from Boca. It's going to be a beautiful Pesach. But now, if I pass in that this guy is Tomei, what happens to him? Everything is ruined. All the beautiful plans are ruined. The Kayin, believe it or not, has the right to defer he says, listen, I can't really tell you right now what it is. I've got to think about it. Come back after Yantif. That's an option that the Torah gives the Kayin. Amazing thing. You don't have to immediately say, you know, Tamei, Tamei, Yikra, you're Tamei, you've got to, you know, go press, you know, right away, stat, you've got to, like, leave. No, give it time. I, I have the power, I have the license to, to, to rule, but rule at the right time. 
you know, it's, it reminds me of the story about a, there was a person, a Jewish judge, who was, uh, there was a court case in front of him, and he, the case was that um, a guy built a sukkah against the local town ordinances. So, uh, you know, the, the town is very makbed, you know, not to build a sukkah, let's say, in a public area, by their restaurant or whatever, and he did it. So, you know, they said to the judge, you know, you know, how do you rule? You know, does, isn't it part of the, it's the rule? You've got to take down the sukkah. It's, it's, you know, here we'll show you in the books. You can't have this up. He says, you're right. He says, I'm going to give you a week to take it down. You've got to take it down, but in a week. That's sort of what this is like. You know, I'm not making you do it right away. I'm making, I'll give you a week. Another example is, a beautiful example of a chassan. Chassan gets married, he wants to have Sheva Brachas with his wife, he wants to go to his chassan, he wants to have a week of Sheva Brachas. All of a sudden, he sees something growing on his skin. Goes to the local Kayan, the Kayan says, tell me a little bit about yourself. He says, well, I happen to be a chassan, getting married tonight. Kayan, if he says, you're Tomei, there goes the chassna. Hundreds of people, you know, all the food gets spoiled, and he has the right to say, let's hold it in obeyance for a week, come back in a week's time and we'll, and we'll paskin on it. The beautiful thing. The Torah is sweet. The Torah cares about the individual. So says the Meshachachma, beautiful Vart, he says there's two dinim in a kayin examining the nega of a, tzara, of a potential mitzairah. One din is vera kain. He has to look at it. He has to examine it. He has to see the, the chefts of the nega, as it were. You have to look at what it's all about, the coloring and the, and, and, and the hair growing out of it and what's going on. A kain goes to, I guess, some schooling. He knows exactly how to, how to understand what this type of nega is. If it, is it a threatening nega? Is it not? Is it benign? Is it real? Is it a, a problem? So he looks at the nega. Vera kain. Es ha he looks at the nega. He just takes a, you know, he examines the nega. But it doesn't end there. in the He also has to look at him. That's the other din of a kayin examining the nega. He has to look at the, at the person in the totality. What's going on with the person? What's his, what's his status today in life? Oh, it's Yantif. Oh, he's a kai, uh, he's a chassan. He has this going on. You know, his kid is uh, his kid is graduating. You know, he wants to be at. What's going on in your life? Tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to decide whether or not we should do it today or we should push off the psak. But that's vera'a slash verahu. Sometimes it's just it's always vera'a. You have to look at it, but not just look at that individual nega, but at the individual himself. Verahu, look at him. Don't lose sight of the general person when you're looking at the nega you have to keep both things in mind that's the gorgeous vart of the Meshachachma and the Meshachachma ends this vart with binazet, two words binazet, I don't think the Meshachachma I'm not the world's biggest expert in the Meshachachma I don't think the Meshachachma uses these like extra words to, like, you know, inspire us binazet means and understand what I'm saying clearly. Get this straight. Binozeh. What does the Meshachachma mean by that? He's trying to, he has a gorgeous var. Leave the var. What do you have to tell me? Binozeh. He's trying to obviously tell us something that we have to learn a very great lesson from my var, says the Meshachachma. 
And I think, that what the Meshach Chachma means is as follows. This Vart is not just a nice Vart. This Vart is a key to understanding how to deal with our problem, with our terrible problem, our tragic problem of speaking Lashon Hara. Why do we speak Lashon Hara? Why do we speak Lashon Hara? If I see somebody do something wrong, okay, I see somebody do something wrong. I was once, uh, just a very bad example, I was parked outside on Main Street. I was parked outside of a movie theater. I wasn't going to the movie. I, my kids went in to get pizza next door. And then there were two yeshiva guys, I'm not going to say which yeshiva, but they went, into, they, went in, they went into the movie theater. And some of my kids were still in the car. I said, Ta, aren't those your, your bachrim? So I said, yeah. So are, are you going to speak to them about this? I said, no. They went in there to use the bathroom. They went in there to get a soda. They didn't go in there to watch a movie. And they thought I was crazy. Of course, what do you, that's not. The Mishnah says in Aves, have a dan es kol ha'adam l'kavzchos. You have to be dan es kol ha'adam. It doesn't say kol ha'adam, it says es kol ha'adam. You have to be dan everybody l'kavzchos. The whole man. It doesn't say everybody. It says kol ha'adam, the whole, the entirety of the man. What does that mean? So the Holy Svasema says that the problem why we're not Dan Lakavskhus, when we see things, we see somebody coming late for davening. We see somebody coming late for Seder. We see somebody uh, you know, doing something wrong. The problem is that we're looking at that nega. We're looking at that thing that we that we're looking at. It looks like to my eyes, it looks like this is what he's doing. He's coming late for davening. He's coming late for Seder. He is, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's acting in a certain way that's not appropriate. He's walking into a movie theater. We're looking at that one thing. And as a nega itself, you're right, if our job in life was just to examine the nega, the, the chefza of what a person is doing, Basher Husham, at that time, then it's very strict justice that we should be giving other people. Because if we're passing in the nega, the nega is tamay. It seems to be very tamay. The problem is that that's not what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah doesn't say that you should be the judge and executioner of every man in the world, walk around, you know, looking at everybody, you know, with our noses in the air and judging you and judging him and judging me and, 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 and just constantly passing about what other people are doing. That's not our job. Have done es kal ha'adam. You know how you're done somebody You have to look at the entirety of that person. You don't know what that person is going through. You have no idea about anything doing with that person, and then you're judging him. He's coming late for davening. Do you know what happened before he came late for davening? Maybe he has some sort of medication that he needs to take before he comes to davening. So he has to, I don't know, make some brachas beforehand, and then and only, maybe he got into a, maybe he had a flat tire this morning on the way to yeshiva. Maybe he, uh, he wasn't feeling well. 
There could be a million and one reasons why a person comes late for davening. When you look at somebody coming into a shul or the base medrash late, and you're like, right away, oh, that guy's mom is a bum. He's coming. He came in after you. He missed Baruch I mean, like, how could that's how how you talk? How's it happening? Or you know, you don't know what the person's going through. You were done the nega, but you weren't done the entirety of the person. It was nega, but it wasn't hu You didn't look at the person in his entirety, like this Fasema says. The nega itself you can't stop but wondering about. But once I see the broader picture about the person, now I already have a little bit more insight into things about him. So before I judge anybody, I have to right away step back and say, do I know everything that I need to know about this person? And it's impossible for me to ever know everything about this person. A person is so complex. Even people, and I've learned this from being a mashkiach a couple of years here in this yeshiva, over 20 years actually, you learn a thing or two about human nature and you learn about judging people. And one thing that I found is that the people in yeshiva that look like they are the least, that they have the least issues in life, generally have much more issues than the people that you know have issues. I don't know why that is. But if you dig a little deeper into people that you think are perfect, you see your, you know, another guy on the other side of the basement, he looks perfect, he acts perfect, he's brilliant, and he's this, and he's that, he has everything going for him. Be careful, that guy has a lot of issues that you'll never know about. You'll never know about him. So if you start judging him for this or that, be careful. Because you have no idea in the world what the person is going through. I always regret that we don't have PTA in yeshiva here. And you have PTA in elementary school, you have PTA in high school, but you don't have PTA in Beis Madrash. And that's a problem. Why is it a problem? I don't need to tell people's parents, you know, how their son is doing. That's not the, the Iker Maila PTA, if I would have one, is not so that I could snitch on your son, you know, on you to your parents and tell them, you know, what you're doing wrong and maybe some things that you're doing right. I want to see the parents. I want to see the parents because if I see the parents, I can understand a lot about the child. When you see a parent, suddenly a lot of things become clear. The, the unfortunate thing is that I only see the parents by graduation. Mamash, the worst day, the last day of, 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 of the career of many Talmidim is graduation. That's when I get to see the parents. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, now I understand everything about this child, about this boy, about this, this young man, because I got to see the parents. There was one guy in yeshiva in my early years here, and, you know, he looked like, a, like, I, like I said, he was one of those guys, he went to like really good yeshivas, and he was a black and white type of guy, and he, and, uh, you know, he was, I know he was very smart, and I know, I know, you know, from what I dealt with him, I was very impressed. But then he started, you know, he, he stopped coming to davening, he stopped coming to seder, and uh, it was a disaster. And I, I spent like the rest of the, you know, his, I started off very close to him, and then like I got disappointed in him. And I sort of like started giving him dirty looks the rest of the the rest of his tenure in yeshiva. I was like, you know, like because I was disappointed. I was like upset that he wasn't coming to you know to my vase, to the shmuz, to this, to that. So I, I took it personally because I, I expected more from him. 
So I was looking at the nega. And then, at graduation, I was sitting next to Rabbi Shmulevitz on the dais, and, and he was sitting at, you know, all the families have their own tables. And I saw that, you know, I saw his mother, his grandparents, and I asked Rabbi Shmulevitz, where's his father? So he says, oh, you don't know? I said, no, what? His father, like, booked. His father, like, just, like, ran away, like, when he was in high school. He ran away, he got remarried somewhere, whole scandal, whatever. He just, like, he didn't say goodbye. He just, like, you know, and it was very embarrassing. The family didn't want to talk about it, the boy. And all of a sudden, like, everything became, like, so clear to me. Like, he was angry, and he had issues, and he had, you know, he was upset at God. He was upset at at, at Yiddishkeit about this and about that, and he had... And I said, like, Laman Hashem, like, why didn't I know about this? Why wasn't I able to know about this? If I had known about it, I could have spoken to him. I could have dealt with it with him. I would have been able to, you know, have a much easier relationship with him. That's why I wish we had PTA on the first day of yeshiva, not the last day of yeshiva. Because I could, I could understand situations. A parent could tell me, and sometimes parents call me, and they discuss their issues and, and you know, things that I should know about their child. But I was guilty, in a sense, because I was looking at the nega, but I wasn't looking at the entirety. I didn't bother to look at the entirety. I should have maybe done some research, spoken to him, and, and dug a little bit deeper until I found you know, a little bit more that would give me a broader perspective on, on the entirety of this person, of this human being, of this, of this universe. But I didn't bother to do that. And so a person has to understand this Meshachachma. This isn't a vart from the Meshachachma. This is a life, sight of the Meshachachma. That a person in life, when you're looking at other people and you're, you know, you're sitting in your, in your judge robes and you're like looking down on, on, you know, on him and you're, you're issuing your verdict, guilty or innocent, you don't have the right to pask in the Shailah unless you know everything about this person. When you know about the person, what he did in elementary school, what he did in high school, his family situation, what happened to him in Eretz Yisrael, and, uh, and what happened with this experience and with that experience, and, what, and his physical and his mental and his social and his financial, if you have that in place, if you, ha- if you could possibly you know, do a, a lifetime study on this person and find that everything you need to know, then maybe you could start paskening on the nega. But it starts with a hu-ha kain. You have to look at the entirety of the person, as kala adam. You have to look at, first, before I'm judging you, I have to know a little bit about you. There's a great story with Rav Shach. Rav Shach was a Roshiva Panovich, and he wasn't just a Roshiva Panovich, they called him the, the Rosh Hayeshivais. He wasn't just the Rosh Hayeshiva, that's one Yeshiva. He was the Rosh Hayeshivais. He was the head of all Yeshivas. So a lot of times, Rosh Yeshivas themselves came to Rav Shach with important questions that were plaguing them and how to run their yeshiva. And one time a group of Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbeim from a certain yeshiva came, and they said, we're about to throw out a boy from the yeshiva, and we just want to get Rav Shach's approval before we do so, because we know that it's Dine Nefashis, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. So Rav Shach says, okay, um, what did he do wrong? They said, you're not going to believe this. We caught him smoking on Shabbos in the dormitory. And, you know, obviously they thought there of Shach who would start being a Kanai, getting up, throw him, I'll do it myself. Rav Shach says, okay, tell me a little bit about the, the parents' marriage. 
How's, how, how, how's their Shalom bias? So these Rabbeim looked at each other like, I don't know. We're just, you know, we're dealing with the kids. We're not dealing with the parents. We're not social workers. We're not marriage counselors. We don't know. He's like, huh. He says, tell me about their financial situation. What's, how's the finances at home? Are, is, are they making money? Are they in debt? Are they living off credit cards? Like, what's, what's going on at home? Is there stress at home from finances? Well, we're, 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 we're financial planners now. We're, we're accountants. Like, what are we? Mm-hmm. And how is his, uh, how is his you know, social issues, like at, at home with his community? How, how's he doing with other, with other people? We don't know. We, we caught him smoking in the bathroom on Shabbos, Laman Hashem. Like, why is this important? So if Shach gets up, he stood up and he says to them, he points his finger at these very prominent Rabbeim, Rashi Shivas, and he says, Reitzchim! You're murderers! Do you know anything about this boy? You're just so quick to throw him out of yeshiva. Do you understand what you're doing? You're passing Dina Nefashites and you have no idea anything about what caused him. A normal Bacher doesn't start being Mechal Shabbos with Farasi. He just doesn't. Something is going on. Look into it and get back to me before you issue your verdict. And they looked into it and sure enough there was terrible machlekes in the home and the, the finances were, were in, in disrepair and the boy had, was suffering with a lot, of, a, a lot of internal issues, things that were beneath the surface. But they did a little research, they found out and they came back and they told me, he says, you can't kick a boy like this out of yeshiva. Deal with him. He's now yours. But this is what we're all up against. This isn't just a, a Rebbe Talmud thing. This isn't just a Hanhala Yeshiva thing. This is each and every one of us, every day of our life. We always have what one of, there's a great book on, uh, one of the early books on uh, being Zan Lakavschos. I love the title. It's called Courtrooms of the Mind. Such a great title. That's what we're doing. We're always judging people in our minds, whoever we see, we're judging. A guy comes into base manager, he's wearing like a certain type of sweatshirt, a t-shirt, whatever. Immediately, boom, we put him in a box. You know, he's that type of guy. You know, he's, uh, you know we see him uh, on the street and he's, uh, he's, he's acting in a certain way. Okay, I got him. I know exactly what this guy is all about. I see his haircut. I see his, the type of glasses he bought. I see the type of sneakers he's wearing. I see where he's going away for the, on, on Pesach. I know what he's doing in the summer. I know what his major is. I, know, I got him. I have him whole, I got the whole thing straight. I know everything about him. I don't need to know anything more. I know exactly what he is, who he is. Call me up about, as a reference on a shidduch, and I'll, I'll tell you everything you need to know. Baloney. You don't know a thing about this person. You do not know anything. You think you know him because maybe he's your roommate or he's your chavrusa or he's, in your, he's your lab uh, partner. Or he's, you don't know, I promise you, you know nothing about him. As much as you know about him, that's like a speck of sand on, on a beach in terms of how much you don't know about him. You do not know anything about him. You don't know anything about me. I don't know anything about you. You could be my Talmud for a hundred years. I still won't know everything about you. So what right do I have to paskin about you? And what right do you have to paskin about me? You don't. We don't. You have to just look at everybody and be down like So if I see you coming, going into a movie theater, 
you're using the bathroom as far as I'm concerned because I have no right to judge you. And you know something? Even if you're going and watching the movie, maybe there's a cartoon that you're going in there to watch. And maybe you need to watch it because of X, Y, and Z reason. Because I, your doctor told you that if you don't, I don't know. But it's none of my business. It's not my business to judge you. When I start judging you, that's when everything starts breaking down. Obviously, I, I should try to help you, and you should try to help me, and if there's issues, we have to try to resolve them together. But I am, I'm in no way equipped to judge anybody because I don't know the entirety of you. And I can't. I wish I did. I wish that people would come to me and tell me more, not because I'm nosy, but because I want to try to help to the degree that I can, but I will never judge you. I'll never look in judgment and say, oh, you know, this guy is terrible. I, never did, I don't think I ever do that. Because I know that I'm not, I'm imperfect. So how can I expect other people to be, to be perfect when I'm not? And sometimes it takes a very, um, it takes a lot of imagination to be down the kafskos because so many times it seems so obvious that what the person is doing is wrong. They once asked, I think it was the Gareba, like, you know, Hashem does everything for a purpose. Everything that Hashem created, and, and there's a purpose for everything. I once, I read recently, Victor Miller said there are certain things that scientists, when he was growing up, thought that there was no purpose for in the human body. I remember when I was a kid, the tonsils. Tonsils are things that scientists never understood. And so many, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of kids, they had their tonsils taken out in the olden days. Victor Miller was one of them. He says, and I have tinnitus till this day, because then they found out later that there is a reason for tonsils. Tonsils do serve the body, the appendix. No one knew what the appendix was for. They thought that's why it's called the appendix, like extra. They have no idea what it is. So they found out that there is a reason. Hashem does everything for a purpose. So they asked him, what is the point, they asked the Gareba, of a crima cup? Sometimes a person is like totally illogical. Like you talk to them, like maybe about a, a sh- over something about sheer and about uh, you know something he's talking or about politics, and he's like whatever he says is so crumb, it's so like it's so warped. Like he's not straight. He doesn't have a glotta cup. He doesn't have a straight mind. And they ask the son, "Why does Hashem make that? Why does Hashem make everybody logical and rational?" So he says, "Because we need a crumb cup. Sometimes we have to take out of the closet our crumb cup mind." our bent, warped, distorted mind because that's what it takes to judge somebody favorably. You see somebody, you know, you pass by and you see somebody eating in McDonald's. So would any of us judge somebody favorably and say, you know what, he probably this and... No, 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 come on, he's guilty as charged. He wanted to have a cheeseburger. Let's call a spade a spade. No, you have to have a crema cup. You have to have a twisted mind and try to figure out a reason why he's there. And you know, this is actually a story of Shimon Schwab, the great rub of uh, the Breuer's community, was once walking in Manhattan, and he passes by a McDonald's, and he sees one of the people that daven in his shul, chash of shul, eating a cheeseburger in a McDonald's. He wasn't dealing with some like conservative shul people, like he was dealing with, with, a, with, a, with a regular from a year, that's Shemir Tarah Mitzvahs, and you know, he was eating a... a so he, you know, he doesn't say anything to the guy, but it really bothers him. Every time he sees him in shul and, you know, Yom Kippur, whatever, he's like, the guy, Mamish, I don't even know what to do with him. Like, what do you do with him? He's eating, he's eating trefus in the veils of trefus. What do you do with such a guy? 
Basabakal of everything. One time he gets a call, this and this balabas, this balabas, he's in the hospital, and part of the job of a Rav is to visit sick people in the hospital when they're davening in Yeshul. So he didn't really want to go. He was like really still upset at the guy. But he goes and visits him. He says, how are you doing, Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. Levy? He says, I'm not doing so well. He says, what happened? He says, I don't know if the Rav knows. He says, but I have a very severe ulcer in my stomach. Terrible ulcer. And it's so severe that if it starts to erupt and I don't eat something in time, within like a few seconds, I could die. The ulcer could like uh, explode or whatever it does and I could, I could bleed to death, I could die. He says, Rabbi, there, are, there have been times, I'm embarrassed to tell you, that I have been walking in Manhattan and all of a sudden I feel that my ulcer is about to pop and I had to go into a McDonald's even and eat whatever they had just to stay alive. It's Bikuach Nefesh Mamish. He says, I had an ulcer, I didn't get it in time, and I, I got rushed to the hospital, and Baruch Hashem, hopefully we're on the mend. But that's, and Rav Schwab says to himself, I, I, I blew it. I was looking at the nega, I was, I was looking at the nega, at the bus of B'chala. I was very focused on McDonald's, and on the bus of B'chala, and the veils and Trefus. I saw the nega clearly, but I didn't see the totality of the person. I didn't bother to check. Why did it, what, what drove him to eat this? What drove him to go into the, I didn't bother. I, I just like immediately, Paskin, Lamavis. That's it. And there's a million of these stories. I could go on for days and days with stories in, uh, from the books. There are many books written on this if you like the subject. But I could tell you personal stories, and I'm sure you could tell me personal stories of things that you saw, and it wasn't as it seemed. You, it looked like, it looked exactly what you thought it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one quick story. When I was a little kid, I was, uh, there, there was a, a Haggadah that was put out for a tzedakah organization. It was called the Diskin Orphanage. And it was basically a, they made copies of old Haggadahs, like, like with illustrations in it. So they, every year they publish another Haggadah and they, you know, with a paperback cover, it's famous, like you buy a whole series of them. And it was, it was mailed out to thousands of people uh, as part of their uh, fundraising efforts for the Diskin Orphan, Orphanage. So my uncle, Oliver Shalom, had a, a very chashava old Haggadah they asked him permission to uh, copy it, to typeset, to you know, to to copy it and, and use it. And they said, "What would you like to name it? You, you get the naming rights." So he says, "Well, you know, my namesake was Moshe Bamberger. That was my grandfather. That was his father." So he says, "I'm gonna let's call it the Moshe Bamberger Haggadah." Okay, nice name. So it comes in the mail, and my father shows me. It's really cool. I don't know if you, you know, when, and now I'm used to having my name on covers of books, but, I'm just, but uh, back in the time, to see your name, you know, the Moshe Bamberger Agada, it's Spitz. Like, you know, it's like bragging rights. It wasn't me. It, was, it wasn't even my grandfather, but it was named after him, but it, it looked really cool. So I brought a copy into Yeshiva for show and tell. I wanted to show my Rebbe that my name, you know, his Talmud's name is, is on the cover. So, but I didn't show it right away. 
And there was another boy in the class who comes in and, uh, and he comes up to the Rebbe and he shows the Rebbe the Moshe Bamberger Haggadah. And I was like, I didn't give you permission to take that out of my bag. That's my Moshe Bamberger That's not your Moshe Bamberger That's, you know, what right did you have to go into my bag and take it out? He says, no, I didn't. Oh, come on, baloney, give it back. He says, all right, fine. He gave it back to me. And chutzpah, and I was like really steaming from this. Like, how did this guy go? He stole my thunder. I wanted to show it to my rabbi. He took my thing and showed it to me. My... Anyway, I come home, and I take it out of the bag, look through my knapsack, and like, there are two Moshe Bamaragadis now in my bag. This kid, his father got one in the mail also. He gave it to his son to bring to Yeshiva to show Rebbe or to show me or whatever. And I immediately, I, like, as a kid, like, what's the chances of, like, this guy also having a Moshe Bamaragada, you know, that, and showing it to Rebbe? I, you need a crumb cup. You need to, like, have a little bit of a twisted mind to, like, think that maybe that would be the case. But I was so quick to assume in, my, in the courtrooms in my mind that, He's wrong. Obviously, I'm right. I, I can't be wrong. But you always have to be down with Kavschus. You everything that you do, whatever you see in anybody, you see a person on the street, you see a person in your house, you see a person, judge favorably. Because first of all, you probably don't know what he's doing right now. And even if you see exactly what he's doing right now, and you know that he doesn't have an ulcer, and why is he in McDonald's? You don't know. You still don't know. You have no idea what people how many layers, much more layers than an onion has, does the human brain have? That's a good quote. Stories to inspire. Quote. Um, but it's true. There are so many layers and, that a person has, a person's childhood, a person's experiences in, in school with his friends, with his rabbeim, with people that bullied him, with people that abused him, with people that weren't nice to him. There's so, a million things. I'll never know everything about you. You'll never know. So what are you judging for? And if you don't judge, and this is the punchline, if you are able to stop being the judge, the jury, and the executioner of everybody that, everybody that you see, that will stop us from speaking Lashon Hara. This terrible thing called Lashonara all starts and ends from the fact that we're judging everybody. Did you see what Yankel did this morning uh, you know, at, by breakfast? What are you telling me that for? Because you, you saw something and you're judging him based on what you saw. But, but buddy, you didn't see anything because you don't know what's, what you saw. You have no idea what you saw. What you saw is most probably, if not probably, probably, Exactly the opposite of what you saw. Your, mind, your eyes are so deceiving. And if you realize that, if you recognize that, I don't know anything about anybody. I don't even know about myself. How am I going to know about you? When my father was sick in the hospital, so I was, uh, it was in a hospital in Long Island, and I was sitting in the waiting room, you know, waiting for his procedure to be over, and I was, you know, there's not much to do in the waiting room. So you have a a little bit, you do the daf and whatever. And then, like, you listen to other people's conversations, right? That's all, that's all there is to do there. So basically, uh, there was a woman that was sitting in the waiting room. And, and then another woman comes in, a separate woman, not, not related at all. She's also sitting waiting. And they start looking at each other and they say, you look very familiar. Oh, yeah, I know you. You're, you work 
in a certain store in Manhasset. Manhasset is like a very spitz area in Long Island, a lot of fancy stores there, and this hospital is like a stone's throw away from there. So one woman worked in a store, and the other one was a shopper in that store. So she says, you used to come to our store all the time, but now you stopped. Why'd you stop? She said, I'll tell you why I stopped. Because I used to like coming into the store because you have beautiful dresses and stuff. So, but then this woman that worked in your store, one time I came out with a dress and she says, it's you. That dress, it's you. That, that rubbed me the wrong way. She says, you're telling me that it's you? You're telling me that this dress is me? I don't know who I am and you're telling me, some stranger, you're telling me that it's me? And that's why I stopped coming to this store. Don't tell me that it's you. I don't know me. Don't, tell, don't, tell, don't you tell me who I am. And that was such a Musser Haskell that I took from that. It was Kedai, you know, to be in the hospital, you know, besides for what I was there for, just for that part. Because it's so true. It's so true. Don't tell me who I am. You're judging me. I don't even know who I am. You're judging, you're telling me who I am. I don't know who I am, and you're telling me who I am. And you're telling other people who I am. How dare you? How dare you go and judge me and tell other people about me? And then ruin my life. And ruin my chance of getting a job. And a shidduch. And, and, and make friends. And all, all because you judged me. What right do you have to judge me? That's what every single person that you ever spoke Lashonara about could tie it to you someday. You judged me? You told somebody that I'm not smart. You told somebody that I'm lazy. You told somebody that I don't come to davening on time. You told somebody that, I, that I, I, I'm not this and I'm not that. And I'm yeshivish and I'm not, I'm not this. I, I'm not. Don't judge me because you have no idea about me. You cannot judge me. So stop talking. Stop making decisions and opening up your mouth. And you're wagging your tongue against me because you have no idea what you're seeing. That's the aside of stopping to speak Lashonara. If a person just understands that I'm not a judge, I'm retiring, I'm, I'm hanging up my robes, and I'm not going to be a judge anymore because I can't judge anybody. If you get that aside out of the Shmuz, then hopefully we will stop speaking Lashonara. That's a way to stop Lashonara in its tracks. All, you can learn Shmiras HaLashen with all the Mepharshim a hundred years and you'll probably still speak Lashonara. But if you could just understand what we said today, this morning, about stopping to judge people because you have no idea about anything, that's the beginning of our healing process. From this scourge that we all have of judging people and based on our judgments, deciding to denigrate other people, destroying other people, characterizing other people in ways that are inaccurate, inappropriate, and just plain wrong. And if we could do that, we'll be Zeicha Mirz Hashem to have all the brachas that the Torah gives us because the Torah wants us to love each other, to care for each other, and to not create any period, any division. If I see somebody that's doing something wrong, instead of talking about them or, or, or judging them, go over to them, put your arm around the shoulder, take a walk with them, try to get into their, into their life, into their mind, into their world, and try to help them. 
Maybe there's nothing to help. Maybe there's a lot you could do to help. But that's what the Torah wants from us. The last thing in the world the Torah wants is for us to speak badly about other people because it's just wrong. It's not wrong morally that we're speaking about. That's, gossip is wrong, but that's not what the real problem is. The real problem is, is that you're judging people. You're being judgmental and you have no right to. Because we can never really know the totality of man. Man is so great and so vast and so deep and so complex that to really understand somebody, to judge him, is, is really, really impossible. We should be zeichet, we medaktik, we and in that schos, we should have a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful life. Can you